as always, welcome to another installment of the Sports Rat Podcast. You can get us on iHeartRadio, Spreaker, Anchor, Google, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. We are also live right now in the group on Facebook, Sports Rat Radio Show. So, good Monday, good day, got plenty to get to today. But first and foremost, before we get into what we do, the Eagles won a game. The Eagles got their first win yesterday. And we will definitely, definitely get to talk about that along with everything else that I posted and that I preempted you with not too long ago. So, as always, what's going on, Chuck? Good morning. We're going to get to some scores, some updates. We're going to go right into our NFL Week 4 recap, talk a little bit about some of those games, talk about the Eagles game, then I'll give you my picks for Week 5, and we'll progress that way. So here we go. Yesterday, NBA Finals, Game 3, behind a superb effort from one Jimmy Butler, a 40-point triple-double, giving the Heat a win, in this series. Series is now 2-1 Lakers. And once I go through this, before I get into the football, I saw something else that I wanted to add in, and I'm going to talk a little bit about it. And I want to know how some people feel about that. Um, I know how one other mainstream uh, broadcaster feels about it or felt about it, but I'm going to present it to you if you didn't know about it. So just give me a minute to get through this, and then I'll come back to it. Uh, We got WNBA Finals as well between the Storm and the Aces. The Storm take that game yesterday, 104-91. The Storm are now up uh, 2-0 in that series. Major League League Baseball playoffs resume today. You got the Astros versus the Athletics at 4-07, and the Yankees are playing the Rays at 8-07. In our news and updates, Cam Newton. Tested positive for COVID-19, as you saw, I posted, as you have heard. We'll talk about that and that crazy thing that's going on in the NFL with the COVID-19 issue. Also, Jason Peters is ha- has been put on the IR, which means he will miss at least three games, starting with yesterday's game. So it's about two, maybe three more that he'll miss with the toe injury. Uh, it's being reported that Alvin Gentry may be joining Doc Rivers' staff on the Sixers. Um, Once again, the NFL has a big COVID problem. And I also want to announce the passing over the weekend of Bob Gibson at the the age of 84 years old. And finally, Doc Rivers will be formally introduced today as the Sixers' new head coach in a press conference at at 1 p.m. this afternoon. So... With that being said, before I get into these football scores, like I mentioned, I mentioned to you about the Lakers fine Heat Finals game three yesterday, which was taken by the Heat behind that great performance from one Jimmy Butler. Like I said, the 40-point thing was 40 points, 11 rebounds, 13 assists. So he willed that team to a victory yesterday. Um, and seeing him before the game in the pregame warm-ups, as the commentator mentioned when they talked to him as well, he had a bounce to him. He had some life. He had some energy. And I like that going into a, down, going into a series down 0-2 and 
and you still have that kind of life. You have that much confidence in yourself and in your teammates that you can get something done with two of your key players down. So hopefully, uh, Goran Dragic and Bam Adebayo can get to play um, in the game next game, game four, which will make it a better game. But if you didn't see it, at the end of that game yesterday, at one point, LeBron James, the king, storms off the court in anger and frustration without his teammates or anything like that. So leads me to believe that, of course, like he showed, there was a lot of frustration there. And one of the things that came to my attention, came to my mind, was his leadership, or to somewhat question, just for sake of dialogue and debating, his leadership. If you are going to be the leader of that team, you have to do what Jimmy Butler did, in my opinion. You have to stand beside your team. You have to stand with your guys. Um, you can't win them all. We all know that. Anybody that's played any type of sport or anything like that, you know you can't win every single game. There are going to be some games that you'll probably lose, that you might lose. But for you to be the leader of that team and to walk off uh, showing that much frustration on a national stage makes me wonder where his thought process was at that moment, where his confidence was at that moment. He kind of gave off the impression that he was a little disturbed or angry with the play of the team and them losing that game. Uh, I think one of the problems is the fact that they may have thought that they had it easy going into that series initially. Then Chris Fountain, what's going on? Then once the Miami Heat banded together, down two stars, of course, mind you but the rest of that group they held it together they're they're presenting to be unflappable right now if you will and they showed some moxie they showed some swag yesterday and like i said all led by one jimmy butler who by the way could have still been here in the sixers uniform but that's a whole different conversation but getting back to my point to be a leader you have to be there with your team in defeat and in victory. You can't be that frustrated where you walk off the court in frustration. Right. Thanks for timing in, Chuck. Chuck, Chuck, my good friend Chuck says, that's what separates LeBron from the all-time legends. I was getting ready to get to touch on some of that real quick, Chuck, but I'm glad you brought that up. One of the things also, another thing also rather, is the fact that to be a leader, you have to lead. And bottom line, as we've been saying, Octavius Dream, another friend of mine, good, what's going on? Another thing that myself and my partner, Baldy, shout out to Baldy, who will probably be joining us later on, and we'll do that split screen again. Hopefully, we've got some things that we, we researched and we're trying to figure out how we can get that uh, static out of the last one last week. So, we worked on that. We got some things going. We're going to try and get that working for you later on down the line. But being that leader, 
like I said, you have to be a leader of that team. And what I was getting to was, as we talked about previously and a number of times on this show, you handpicked most of these guys. Majority of the time that you played on these teams where you won championships, where you were in championship contention, a lot of the players on that team, you had a big say in having them play alongside of you. Everything that they went through the past two seasons to get Anthony Davis there, now he's there. He's in his first finals. So you walk off the court, you storm off the court in frustration with these guys. But in hindsight, these are the guys that you had a hand in having play, having to play with you. You had a hand in getting these guys on your roster. So what does that say to them when you storm off the court like that? After everything that we've been hearing previously about how great of a teammate he is, how good of a dude he is, uh, how he uplifts them and motivates them, what better time do you think to motivate your guys other than in a loss? I think that's where they need the most motivation, if in my opinion. In a win, you really don't have to motivate guys too much. They won, they win, they win, it's fine. You don't have to motivate them. Winning a lot of times is enough motivation for a lot of guys. But what tests your mettle, what tests your strength as a leader is how you motivate and how you lead in times of defeat. Yesterday definitely was not a good showing for LeBron. And like Chuck mentioned, and I read the comment, um, I'm going to read it again. That's what separates LeBron from the all-time legends. We all know, Chuck and myself and all of the guys I grew up with, a lot of guys that I talk basketball with, are, or were, better yet, were brought up on a different era. And I get it. People are going to say, now, nah, this is the LeBron era. This is the new age of basketball. The game has changed. Fine. But when you talk about leadership, that doesn't change throughout the eras. Either you're going to be a leader or you're not going to be a leader. You're going to be a good leader or you're not going to be a loser. You're not going to be a good leader. Chris Mountain chimes in and says he's a sore loser. So we can go on and on about this. And I'm sure Baldy is tuned in at work. And when we get to this, I'll bring this back up to him and see what he has to say about it. But again, I was brought up on. 80s basketball, Detroit Pistons bad boys, into the 90s with Michael Jordan and the Chicago Bulls. Back then, none of these guys, and I, like I said, let me just preempt this, you know, um, and give you the disclaimer. I understand how the game has changed. Huh. Octavius Green said, this is the me too soft era. Absolutely. Um, I, I get that the game has changed. Uh, free agency has taken on a a realm of its own nowadays. But back then, when I grew up on basketball, the players that we had, the legends that we had, the leaders that we had, they would never go and say, well, you beat us, I'm going to go play with y'all. I can't get a win, can't win a championship here, so I'm going to go play with some. I'm going to go somewhere else. And play with somebody else and if you just for sakes of talking conversation and debate 
You go back, LeBron was drafted by Cleveland, of course, straight out of high school. We get that, fine and well, doing his thing. No no disrespect to him as a player. You know, like I always say, I have some questions about his leadership qualities, but what he does on the basketball court at his size is truly amazing. I have to give credit where credit is due. 6'8", 250-something, the things that he can do on the basketball court, the things that he does on the basketball court, as far as just playing the game, are amazing. But it's always comes back to the game within the game, so like we're talking now. Initially, he couldn't win the championship in Cleveland. So he goes to Miami okay, to go along, play, play along with Dwayne Wade. Dwayne Wade had already won the championship with Shaq, who was there already. That team was trades, whatever. He, Dwayne Wade was drafted there or whatever. So then you have LeBron move in to go play with Wade, and then they bring in Chris Bosh. The start of, as they like to say now, the super teams. I remember when that first happened, and believe it or not, I mentioned to some people that in their first year, they would not win the title. I was not proven wrong at that point. And one of the things I mentioned about them saying, or me, about me saying that, was you now have three players who were the alpha male on their teams playing together, and they have to figure this thing out. Who's going to take the last shot, when and where, whatever. Uh, just real quick, Chuck E. Chuck signs in. He says he loves the limelight when they win, but points the finger at teammates when they lose. A true leader has the ability to galvanize his troops when they take a loss. He just doesn't have that it, that it factor. I kind of agree, Chuck, and that's some of the things that I just mentioned. Like I said, what if you call yourself a leader, what better way or what better way, what better moment to show your leadership, your true leadership, than when you're in defeat? And again, like Chuck just mentioned, he points the fingers at his teammates but a lot of times, again, you've had your hand in getting these players on your roster. So now, what do these guys say after that? How do these guys feel after that type of moment? You know, I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall in that locker room after that game to see what was said, if anything was said. As a leader, you can't lead your team walking off the court in frustration when dead thanks chuck he says exactly you can't lead your team walking off the court in frustration and again what makes it more magnified is the simple fact again a lot of these players you had your hand in picking to play alongside of you so we move along he goes to miami they win two chips down there yada 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 his contract is up. Then he goes back to Cleveland. At the time, Cleveland had Kyrie Irving. They end up winning a championship in Cleveland, him and Kyrie, against the Golden State Warriors, who were running the league for a while. Actually, they played four straight times, Cleveland and Golden State. Cleveland got one in that. And I still, to this day, as a basketball fan, as a media member, I feel like Kyrie won that championship. Sean, little bro, what's going on? I still feel like Kyrie won that championship for 
Cleveland. I still feel like Kyrie should have been the MVP of that finals. Just my opinions, just my thoughts. Okay? Then you move on to the Lakers. You want Anthony Davis. You don't get him the first time you try. Hence, you guys don't make the playoffs. Then you have your hand in trading away almost half of the team. The second go-round to bring in Anthony Davis. Now you guys are here. Like I said, you didn't make the playoffs last season. You made the playoffs this season. You made it to the finals. You start out going 2-0. Okay. Um, let me see. Chuck says, a leader does it like Isaiah Thomas did it. They walk off together. Absolutely. I, I, now that I can respect. That's a great point, Chuck. Thanks for bringing that up. I can respect that. If I'm a leader and I'm frustrated and we're going to walk off the court, I'm telling my guys, yo, let's go. We're not shaking hands right now. Let's be out. Like Detroit did when they finally lost to Chicago. They walked off the court together. So what a leader does, his team will follow you if you are a good leader. The team followed Isaiah off the court. That's what leaders do. And again, I'm probably going to say it a couple more times. You had your hand in getting these guys to play with you. And you show your frustration by walking off the court, storming off the court in frustration, leaving them out there. Not good quality in a leader, not a good showing on a national stage. On the other hand, Jimmy Butler is becoming or showing what a leader does. Like I mentioned to you, they played game one, game two. They could have had they had their chances in game two. They just couldn't get over the hump. They were down two stars. So they go back, they regroup, they watch film, and they talk. Leaders lead. Leaders watch film and point things out to bring his teammates back, to uplift, uplift his teammates so they can go on and continue to go to war. And like I said in his pregame interview yesterday, he had a bounce to him. He had some swag. He had some moxie. Ended up, 40, like I said, 40-11-13. Put that team on his back and willed them to a win without two stars on that squad who hopefully will play in game four and they can even this series up. Now, mind you, when this series was set and got underway, I picked Miami in six or seven, mostly more so seven than the six. After seeing what I saw yesterday, I'm sticking to that. I never swayed from it, but I'm sticking to it a lot more. Like I said, game one and game two, saw how it played out. And then I was starting to not so much have doubts, but I was starting to realize that Miami's young. Most of these guys are veterans on the Lakers team, and they're just too big. Initially, I thought they were just too big. But yesterday, they showed me something. They showed me that there's no quitting them. They showed me that they are ready to go to war. And again, like I said last week, one of the things that Kendrick Perkins said back in the Toronto series, I mean, in the beginning of this series, in the first game, said, Lakers are coming in, Gucci, slippers, you know, with heads held high, like, yeah, we got this, we got that. Miami Heat's coming in with steel-toed boots, 10 lunch pails, gutsy, grinded out, willing themselves to victory. So just wanted to bring that up, talk about that for a little bit. 
I'm sure anybody else has any comments, you can comment in on that. And like I said, we will touch on that again when we bring Baldy in on the split screen later on. So getting back to what we do, we got your scores, and we're going to talk some football for a little bit before we take our first break. Week 4 kicked off on October the 1st, which was Thursday. Had Denver defeat the Jets 37-28. to Moving into yesterday's games, uh, Indianapolis defeats Chicago 19-11. Before I continue, one last comment from Chuck. LeBron gets in his feelings too much, and Jimmy Butler is just the type of player that will get him out of his game. I agree, because Jimmy's going to keep coming. And there was a little bit, as he was walking off the court, I don't know what was said, I couldn't really get it, but there was something said between the two, and in my opinion, it looked like Jimmy said, yeah, whatever, we still here. We ain't going nowhere, we right here, so y'all going to have to play. That's just my interpretation of what it said. I don't know what was said. But I just got that feeling that something along the lines of what I just said was said. Uh, Jacksonville falls to Cincinnati, 33-25. Cleveland beats Dallas, 49-38. We're going to talk a little bit about that game as well. New Orleans uh, defeats Detroit, 35-29. The Pittsburgh-Tennessee game was postponed all due to COVID-19. And we'll talk about that after I give you the scores and talk about a couple of these games. Seattle defeats Miami 31-23. The Chargers, in a valiant effort, fall to Tom Brady and the Bucks 38-31. The Baltimore Ravens defeat the Washington football team 31-17. Arizona falls to Carolina 31-21. Minnesota beats Houston 31-23. The Rams beat the Giants 17-9. New England, Kansas City has been pushed to tonight. Thanks, Chuck. He says right. New England, Kansas City has been pushed to tonight. So there's a doubleheader tonight because of the COVID. Buffalo beats Las Vegas 30-23. And the Philadelphia Eagles go all the way, traveled out cross country to San Francisco, sneak up on the 49ers and beat them out there. Shout out to Frank Milligan, another member of the Sports Rap Show, who had a rough night last night. I hope you're okay, dude. The Lakers lost. 49ers lost. Hope you had a good night. I'm sure it wasn't a good night for you as far as a fan, but it's not over yet. Season's not over for uh, San Fran. Series is not over yet for the Lakers. So we'll see what happens. We'll see how this plays out. Now, before I get into the Eagles talk, I'm going to talk about the Dallas Cowboys a little bit here. And they gave up 38 points. Again, I think that was in the first half. Uh, Cleveland had 38 points. More importantly, there's a lot of things going on in Dallas. I know we're here and we're in Philadelphia, so our main concern is the Philadelphia Eagles and how they have played in the first four weeks. But also Dallas in the first four weeks have been up and down. It's been a crazy season so far for them. That defense yesterday did not look really good. Uh, they gave up 300 plus yards on the ground. I mean, Baker Mayfield threw the ball some, but he only threw for like 100 and 
70 some 192 yards made close very close to 200 yards but more importantly they gave up 300 plus yards in the running game not a good look um they didn't give Dak a contract they franchise tagged him and they brought in Mike McCarthy thinking that he could turn this thing around not saying he can't just hasn't done it yet we're four games into the season so again a long season still left to go but there are some concerns there um for the third straight week they gave up at least 38 points that's not good for your defense um you've got arguably one of the best running backs in the league I can't understand why you were not running the ball. It's neither here nor there, but again, there are some things going on out there that will definitely probably need to be fixed. But it's not my concern because I'm not a Dallas. Chuck says Dallas's defense is awful. They could easily be 0-4 if the Falcons fall on the onside kick. Absolutely, Chuck. I was trying to hold that and not go back to that, but... I blame that game all on the Atlanta Falcons and their coaching staff. I mean, everybody knows the rule of the onside kick. More importantly, the one factor that you only that you really need to know. The kicking team can't touch it until it goes 10 yards. The receiving team can go get it. You can touch it basically off the tee, off the ground, however the, the kicker kicks it. You can go and get it. Okay, so I blame that all on the Falcons who gave that game away pretty much on a silver platter. You know, mental errors that hurt bad. That's something that that you can't have. And perfect example. Now that I want to move on. We talk about the Eagles. The Eagles had San Francisco tried an onside kick yesterday. And if you go back and you watch that play, the Eagles had a good game plan set up for that. If you look at it again. The ball was kicked to one side, but that side, the players that were there let the ball go. In essence, to make sure that that second-tier guys had a good shot, good read on the ball. Because we know sometimes that ball takes a crazy bounce depending on how it's kicked. Right. Exactly. How does five players not know what to do? Exactly. How does one player not know what to do, Chuck? Absolutely correct. How does five players not know what to do? You fall on the ball just like it's a fumble. But what happened with the Eagles yesterday? Like I said, they let that first tier guys go go to ensure blocking so that the San Francisco 49ers would have a tough time if they could ho- or hold them off from getting to the ball. You got your hands team, one of your back one of your backup tight ends on that second tier, and he did what he was supposed to do. Ball came his way, dove right on it and just stayed there till he got touched. That's how you play an onside kick. So, again, Chuck, you are correct. They could very well be 0-4, but I blame that one game all on the Falcons and their coaching staff. And, again, like I said last week, they blew another game um, last week, I think it was. And I really don't think that their coach is going to finish the season as the head coach. I think he'll be fired before unless they somehow turn this thing around. But nonetheless, I'm wearing the Eagles shirt today. Eagles got a win yesterday. And ironically, 
the Eagles are now in first place in the NFC East. Okay, I give you that. Aaron first place. Yeah, I said it. But doesn't really mean much right now because the division is horrible. The NFC East is is horrible right now. So looking at where they are right now, that tie looks a little bit better than it did in the initial stages of last week ending in a tie. This is what put them in first place. Chuck also says the Falcons always find a way to lose. Dan Quinn has to go. Yes, again, Chuck, I don't think Dan Quinn's going to finish the season. For some reason, I just don't. Um, they they have some talent there. Kevin Wolf, thanks for tuning in. They have some talent there, but he's not getting the most out of that talent that he has there. And then, like we said, we see with that debacle of an onside kick, it makes you wonder how long is he going to last. And again, my opinion, I don't think he's going to get through the entire season. Now, I would be surprised if he does get through the entire season and gets fired in the offseason. I don't think that's going to happen. I think something that happened before the end of the season. Now, we get back to the Eagles. As bad as they have been the first three weeks. And again, even last week, I mentioned against that uh, in that Cincinnati game, I saw some things in Carson that I was a little happy about, if you will, for lack of a better word. And what I mean is last week, there were some plays where he actually threw the ball away, which we haven't seen him do a lot of throughout his five-year career so far. He got out and he ran the ball a little bit last week. And then we move into this week. A couple of balls he threw away. A couple of runs he made to make plays. He also, uh, the coaching staff also helped him out a little bit by putting him in his strengths. Had him on the outside, rolling out, moving out of the pocket. And other than that first quarter interception, he played a decent game. Um, I like the fact that the attack yesterday from the offensive side was very balanced. Um, some of the things I said about the defense going into the Cincinnati game showed up yesterday. And some of those things were, I felt like as a as, with a rookie quarterback, going back to the Cincinnati game, with a rookie quarterback, I felt like the strength of the Eagles' defense is their defensive line, the depth there and how they rotate. I thought that that would get to Joe Burrow a little bit and their offensive line. Obviously, that offensive line is a little bit better than I thought it was, and it didn't get it didn't get the pressure like they should. Yesterday, I think they got to Nick Mullins um, as they should have. Um, he had his spots where the coach put him in position to succeed, like they kept saying on air yesterday. He's throwing to his trusted guys: George Kittle, Debo Samuel. Uh, the rookie Ayuk, guys that can do things after the catch. Okay, that started that worked a little bit for them, but the end all be all, the third turnover was that pick six. That was a horrible throw, horrible read by Nick Mullins. Then you bring in C.J. Beathard, and they go up tempo, and he moves them down the field. They get the touchdown. And they're just moving the offense a little bit better. Fortunately for the Eagles, they played it right this time. And 
San Fran ran out of time. They had to try that Hail Mary. Angles ended up knocking it away and saved the game. But again, I, I like the balance that the Eagles had yesterday. Um, I also mentioned that they needed to incorporate Jalen Hurts a little bit more. And I still think they do because it will help them turn their season around. And like I said, right now they're in first place. But what does it really mean? The division is horrible. But as an Eagles fan, and I'm sure most other Eagles fans will take it because they're in first place. Okay. But again, the division is just horrible. So hopefully this was a stepping stone, another stepping stone for the Eagles. And and like I said, I told some people, um, and I tell people a lot, and I said it last week, I said to Baldy, uh, this, these are the kind of games that I always feel like the Eagles would win. When they're playing as bad as they were playing through the first three weeks, and then they go into San Francisco again. They were huge underdogs, even with all of the injuries that were um, that have mounted up for San Francisco. Um, I just felt like that was one game that they would win. And I, I say it a lot, and there have been times before, but I can say officially now they won that game, so I can say I called it. They went out there and they won that game. And... Again, like I said, it showed they showed me something yesterday. That that defense held up. They got their first interception. Then they got their second one, which was a pick six. Um, they forced three turnovers to their one. And the offense didn't look as bad as it has in the first three weeks. The touchdown pass to Fulgham was a beautiful pass. That pass reminded me of the MVP-like season that Carson had earlier in his career, Super Bowl season. Now, they have to grow on that. They have to improve on that. They have to build on that and go on with the rest of the season. Hopefully, they can do some things and get to the point where they can turn this thing around and string up some more wins and kind of take control of the division because they're in first place right now, so it's there for them. Um, we know what the Washington football team is. We know what the New York Giants are. And we're starting to, I believe, see what the Dallas Cowboys are right now. So with the Eagles being who they are, if they can build on yesterday's win, take some things from that game, incorporate Jalen Hurts a little bit more, and as they get healthy, they might have a chance. They, they just might have a chance. So closing out week four tonight, like I said, there's a doubleheader. You have the New England-Kansas City game that has moved because of the COVID situation. And you also have Atlanta at Green Bay. I'm going to give you my picks for week five. Then we're going to talk a little bit about that COVID issue in the NFL. Okay. Uh, Thursday, this coming Thursday, October the 8th, starts off week five. Tampa Bay at Chicago. I am going with Tampa Bay. Sunday's game, Sunday, next Sunday, the 11th. Carolina at Atlanta. 
I like Carolina. Carolina on the road. Buffalo at Tennessee. Watching that Buffalo Raiders game yesterday, I saw some things in that defense. The defense is for real. Uh, I see some improvements in that offense, so I like what they're doing there. Uh, the Raiders are at the Chiefs. I'm going to go with the Chiefs at home. Denver at New England. Depending on the situation of Cam Newton, Cam Newton being able to play or not being able to play, not really trusting in Bobby Hoyer, so I'm going to go with Denver on the road. Arizona at the Jets. I'm going to go with the young guy, Kyler Murray. I'm going to go with the Cardinals in that game. Philadelphia at Pittsburgh. Situation with Pittsburgh was similar to with the Tennessee Titans, that COVID thing. So we don't know what their status may be. I'm going to stretch here. I'm going to go with the Eagles in Pittsburgh to get the win. The LA Rams are in Washington to play the Washington football team. I'm going to go with the Rams. Cincinnati Bengals are at Baltimore to play the Ravens. I'm going with the reigning, uh, reigning MVP, Lamar Jackson, and the Baltimore Ravens. Jacksonville at Houston. I'm a little confused. I'm not sure what's going on in Jacksonville. So, this is my somewhat upset, if you will, or my push-the-envelope pick. I'm going to go with Houston picking up their first win in Week 5 at home. Miami at San Francisco. I'm going to go with San Francisco at home. Um, I think C.J. Beathard has a better understanding of that offense. Um, never was really sold on Nick Mullins, and he showed what he is and who he is yesterday against a lowly Eagles team, even though they did get the win. It is what it is. So I'm going to go with San Francisco there and C.J. Beathard. Indianapolis at Cleveland. Another stretch here for me. I like what I saw in Cleveland yesterday. That running attack is just amazing. I'm going to go with Cleveland at home. Giants at Dallas. Believe it or not, I'm going to go with Dallas. And that's only because the quarterback play between the two teams. Um, not really sure what they're doing with Daniel Jones over in, in New York. So I'm going to take Dallas in that one. Minnesota at Seattle. I'm going with the Seahawks and Russell Wilson at home. And next Monday, the Chargers at the Saints. Going with the Saints uh, at home. We get into our bye weeks. So Detroit and Green Bay are the teams with the byes in week five. So just to continue before we take our first break, we know now that there is an issue a situation, whatever you would like to call it, with COVID-19 now in the NFL. And again, I, I regress a little bit, and I tell you, the NBA was the best sport that did it. They prepared. Their COVID issue started during their regular season, so they halted the season, and they did their due diligence to come up with a plan, and they didn't really have anything going on throughout the bubble up until the playoffs, and we still haven't heard much of anything about any COVID issues. So kudos to them. Hence, the NHL and the WNBA followed suit. Didn't really hear much in the NHL, not really too much in the WNBA. Teams were in bubbles. They were all together, constantly checked and things of that nature. They did their due diligence, doing their homework, 
following suit of what the NBA did. Then we looked at baseball. Outbreak there. They made it to the playoffs. Now we move into the NFL. Very much or a lot of uncertainty going into the season. There was limited training camp, no preseason games. And initially, we thought it was just the injuries. But the first two weeks, first three weeks, it was so many injuries that it was like almost impossible to believe that this, this many injuries occurred in these weeks. But you have to take into consideration, like I just said, no preseason, limited training camp. So these guys are, in essence, coming off the street and playing regular season games. Then we look up and we get to week four. We get to week three, and we have a situation with COVID. And I understand it may be a little bit more difficult as far as the NFL to develop a bubble, but there are possibilities. You have a team that's in a, in every city. Uh, they announced that the referees would be close so they wouldn't have to travel far to referee these games. You could very well had extended training camp scenarios, if you will. When you know in training camp they go off and they're in the hotel or the dorm, whatever they are, together. In each city, a lot of these cities have hotels. And I understand they're still traveling. There's no fans in the stadiums. But these guys could all stay in a hotel. And be somewhat quarantined like everyone else is around the world with this pandemic. It could have helped. I'm not saying it necessarily would have halted or not had an outbreak. But it would have helped. Again, I go back to what I said about the NBA. They did it the best. So the, uh, the NFL has a major issue. Um, they've had some false positive test one player with the saints had a false positive test but that number for the tennessee titans is now blown to 20 20 there's only 53 players on the team and i understand there were five staff members so if there were five staff members so that means it's 15 players those five staff members were around that entire team and other coaching staff could very possibly be more to pop up. It's going to cause cause it's going to pose a problem in the NFL. Again, you see the Pittsburgh game was postponed. They I think they're moving that to like week seven. Uh, there was a small issue with the Kansas City New England game because of Cam Newton testing positive. So I'm sure. It's a strong possibility that there could be more New England Patriots players or staffers to test positive. That game is moved to tonight. So, so far, so good. But we don't know. We'll have to wait and see. So, again, the NFL is in a little rut right now, in a little way, if you will. Some uncertainty with this COVID thing. And, and people, you know, it, we're still in a pandemic. In society it's not like it's over with or anything like that so leads me to wonder if 
they will get through the entire season or how they will continue to juggle games if other instances pop up. There you have it, folks. That is your news update scores and your NFL talk for for Monday, October the 5th. I'm going to take a quick break. When I come back, we are going to get into some Sixers talk. We're going to talk about the hiring of Doc Rivers. We are going to discuss the offseason. And I've got some notes on some things, some players, some free agents, and some possible stuff that could go on, some players that could possibly help the Sixers uh, moving forward to get the players that Doc Rivers needs or might want on his team moving forward. You are tuned in to Sports Rat, Heat 100 Radio. It's your boy D. Take a quick break. When I come back, we will pick up Sixers Talk and talk Doc Rivers and some free agency in the offseason. Part two of today's installment of the Sports Rat Podcast. Once again, back on Facebook Live. So, people, if you were tuned in before, come on back. If you haven't tuned in, chimed in, come on and check in. We are about to get into some Sixers talk. Before I do that, I forgot to mention uh, when I left off and I gave you my picks for week five. The schedule will go up tomorrow. Once again, you have from tomorrow when the schedule is posted until 4 p.m. on Thursday before week five begins to get your picks in. Please remember to go in order of the schedule. If you screenshot it, mark them all, screenshot, put it in our DM, put it in our messages. If you list them, please list them in order of the schedule. Like we say, it is easier for us to keep a record. We will announce uh, either tomorrow or Wednesday who the winner is of week five. I have to correlate with my partner. See who he has and see who I have, and we'll pick a winner that way. Remember, you can post your picks and do what you need to do. For to me, uh, in the group, Facebook group, Sports Rap Radio Show. You can also hit me up on Instagram where the schedule will be posted at Sports Rap underscore D. You can also get them to Baldy at Ball75 at B A L L 75 on Instagram and Aaron Baldy Moore on Facebook. So now, I want to talk some Sixers talk. And as you know, the Sixers have hired Doc Rivers as their next coach. Had to give some applause there because it is huge, huge, a great signing by the Sixers. And just so you know, uh, we're going to backtrack a little bit, give you a little bit of history behind the whole hiring. Uh, You know, they got swept in the playoffs this year in the bubble by Boston. Brett Brown was fired. He was let go. They were on a search. The initial talk was that there was interest or mutual interest between the Sixers and Tyron Lue. Then Mike D'Antoni was let go or mutually decided to leave Houston. Then his name popped up again. And it was back and forth with a lot of jostling. Then it was getting to the point where Mike D'Antoni was allegedly or reportedly uh, emerging as the favorite. And then the basketball guys looked out for the Philadelphia 76ers. Doc Rivers was let go by the L.A. Clippers after their exit from the playoffs. That happened on a Monday. 
Doc Rivers was hired by Wednesday or Thursday, which makes me believe that it was very urgent and it showed the signs of urgency for the Sixers and they couldn't let this guy get away. So the way the story, the way the story goes is he was, the reports were out that he was not going to be the coach of the Clippers any longer that Monday. That Monday evening, um, it was reported that there was an extensive conversation with Elton Brand. Tuesday, the Sixers had Tyron Lue in for an interview. Wednesday was Doc Rivers' turn. Prior to that, on Monday, when the conversation was being had with Elton Brand and Doc Rivers, it's allegedly or were reported that Josh Harris was trying to get a plane to get Doc here that same day. They said if they couldn't get the plane to get him here, they would go there to talk to him in Cali. Okay, worked out. He got here. He interviewed on Wednesday. He was offered the job on Thursday, and it was made official. And once again, like I said in, our, in my opening, he will be formally introduced in a press conference today at 1 p.m. And it is now official. Five-year deal for Doc Rivers to coach your Philadelphia 76ers. Great hire. Great, great hire. And people might say, well, why did they hire Doc Rivers? He was let go by the Clippers. They uh, they couldn't get past the Denver Nuggets. It was a lot going on there, but his track record, I think, um, trumps this one particular season with the L.A. Clippers. There were some things going on behind the scenes with some of those players where he had two stars um, who just – for some reason, didn't perform when they really, really needed them to. I don't think that was all Doc's fault. Um, I think he's a great coach. I think he's a great leader. He is a championship coach. He won a championship with the Boston Celtics. And his managing of players, I think, is one of the traits that will help him here with the Sixers. Uh, mind you, when he was in Boston, he coached KG, Ray Allen, Rajon Rondo, Paul Pierce. Okay. Arguably, Hall of Famers, the four of them. I mean, Paul Pierce, KG, Ray Allen should be shoe wins. Rajon Rondo, maybe. But three Hall of three potential Hall of Famers. And we all know the style of play of KG. And I love KG, but we know the type of player he is. He managed that, got them to a championship. He went to L.A. He had Chris Bosh. He managed, uh, no, sorry, not Chris Bosh, Chris Paul. He managed Chris Paul and Blake Griffin. Then there was a trade. Blake Griffin was traded. He still had Chris Paul. Chris Paul was ultimately traded. Then they get Kawhi Leonard. Then they also bring in Paul George. So his managing of players and egos and other issues i think is pretty good so i like that um i'm going to talk a little bit about some of the ways that have been reported to people that or the ways that people think he can help the sixers before i get into that some of the ways i think he can help is i think that he gets the best out of his stars in my opinion i think it would be great for joel because he will put joel in a position to succeed he will put Ben Simmons in the position to succeed, and he will demand it. He will definitely, as we talked about prior to his hiring, he will hold these guys accountable. 
Yes, I said it. He will hold these guys accountable. And apparently, a lot of the guys on the roster right now, before some changes that will be made, a lot of the guys that are here that heard that he was hired were very excited about that hire. Um, they liked it. So that leads me to believe that some things could possibly change with them. So there's still a lot of work to be done. Like I also mentioned, um, he has to fill out a coaching staff. So the first name that's been floated around as a possibility is Alvin Gentry. Who can help Doc refine this offense? He's going to have to find a defensive guy, but I don't think that would be too hard. He's well-respected around the league, so I'm sure he can find somebody that can come in and get on that defense. And, I mean, and the Sixers didn't really play poor defense. They played some pretty good defense. I think having a coach like Doc Rivers and his stature and his record will enhance that defense. But more importantly, I think he can do some things with the offense um, with this team. He's going to need some shooting. So, like I said, there will be some changes and there are some things that need to be done. So, first and foremost, we'll talk about free agency. Uh, the draft has been pushed because of the tank, not the tanking, but because of the COVID issues and the bubble. The draft is now in November. So, it's coming up next month. But these are the current free agents that are on this Sixers team and the toughest thing for, for the Sixers right now is going to be the money issue um, they may have to make some trades to get some people in here so we will definitely keep track of it and see what happen and happens and how it plays out some of the names that will be free agents uh, on the current roster Furkan Korkmaz Norvell Pell I think Norvell Pell will stay um, Furkan Korkmaz could very well possibly be involved in some type of trade or something um, if he doesn't, if he isn't allowed to move on. The signing of Ryan Brokoff, um, who felt like he could find a home here with the Sixers, and now with Doc Rivers at the helm, I think that could work. He opted out of the bubble for some family issues, but he seemed to be excited. In the initial signing, and I'm sure that excitement continues with the hiring of Doc Rivers. Kyle O'Quinn, one player that another player that I would like to see stay around. Um, he signed the veterans minimum, didn't play a lot, and he was very professional about it at the time with Brett Brown under his coaching tutelage and under his system. I think Doc Rivers can do some things with uh, Kyle O'Quinn. Kind of reminds me of the Kendrick Perkins factor on that Boston Celtics championship team that he had. I think he can do some things with Kyle O'Quinn. Kyle O'Quinn is a very good passer as a big man. He knows his role. So I think that that could help. Doc could help convince him to possibly think about staying. Raul Nito will probably be gone um, unless they can't find a backup point guard anywhere. Glenn Robinson III and Alec Burks are the other free agents. Those two guys coming from Golden State were arguably playing for contracts. And I'm hoping that some way, somehow, with Doc being the newest hire, they can work some things out and convince one, if not both of them, 
to stick around for at least another, at least another year, another season, and then see how it goes and progress on. I would like to keep both of them, but if I had to take make my pick uh, between one of the two, I would go with Alec Burks because he does something that the Sixers sorely needed uh, throughout the playoffs this year and throughout pretty much throughout Brett Brown's tenure here. So other free agents, and I just, when I heard that Doc was being here and there was a very high chance that he would be hired, I just did some homework and I looked at free agents because I know or I knew that some roster changes would come up. So a couple things that I did and I'm going to talk about it quickly. So stay with me if you can. Uh, first thing was up was three realistic free agents for the Sixers. Now one name on this list is probably not going to happen because of the way their season turned out. Initially it was Goran Dragic, but that's probably a long shot now because of the way their season played out there in the finals. So we'll see whatever happens, but I don't think that is really going to be as realistic as uh, some people think. Langston Galloway and Jermichael Green. Jermichael Green someone who played for Doc Rivers in L.A., who knows the system, who could help some guys on this roster. Also, the Tobias Harris factor. If you remember when the Sixers made the trade for Tobias Harris, Tobias Harris was arguably possible all-star. People are hoping that Doc can get him back to that status. Okay, um, There are four, they said there's four possible targets that could be had. Etwan Moore, Kent Bazemore, Marco Bellinelli, Nerlens Noel. I'm not really feeling the Nerlens Noel issue because he's been in the league for a couple years. He was drafted by the Sixers. And from what I've seen, he hasn't really honed or polished his offensive game. So I think Norvell Pell could beat him out as far as a possible target since he's already here anyway. Uh, six bigs that they could look at as well. Mark Gasol's name is on this list, but it's recently been, been reported that he's going to go and play overseas. Uh, Aaron Baines, Alex Lynn, Noah Vonley, Dario Savage, and Markeith Morris. I don't know about Keith. He may not want to come home and play, but we'll see. Maybe Doc can convince him. Dario Savage would be a good bring back. He played well for the Sixers, and I think uh, differently with Doc Rivers at the helm, he could be a good piece in addition. Um, then they had their five five free agents that the Sixers should pursue. Shooting guard Evan Fournier, whose name I've been hearing a lot. Another shooting guard, Bogdan Bogdanovich. Center, Willie Cauley-Stein. One that I really like that I've been talking about with a couple of friends and the name that I've been hearing as well, Jeff Teague, and also power forward Jabari Parker. <coughs> Excuse me. There was another... And then I looked again, and there was another free agent that they that they could possibly target, another five. Lou Williams, who did some great things here, the three-time six-man of the year, also on Doc Rivers' roster in L.A., familiar with him, knows the system, can do some things. Trevor Ariza, Danny Green, the shooter with championship experience, championship pedigree, Avery Bradley, and then they threw this name on there, and I know this is not going to happen, LeBron James. Uh, then they have 
some five five possible trade targets. Reggie Bullock of the Knicks, Al Farouk Amino of the Magic, Derek Rose for the Pistons, who I don't think would be much there because I think he refound himself in Detroit. Then there's TJ McConnell and Doug McDermott from the Pacers. And then lastly, uh, some under-the-radar under free agents, Langston Galloway, again, and Justin Holliday. So, folks, again, excuse me, the hiring of Doc Rivers sets the tone for a new era in Philadelphia 76ers basketball. Again, a great, great hire. Uh, someone that is definitely needed for the young guys, for the young stars, more than anyone else. And some other things that that I looked up and I came up with uh, just for sakes of conversation and reassuring some people that this hire was a really good hire. Um, and it's how can Doc Rivers help the Sixers contend? Um Get Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons on the same page. I think he can do that. And like I said, he did it with KG, Paul Pierce, Ray John Rondo, and Ray Allen. I think he can work. I think he can do that here. Um, I think he can also figure out where Simmons fits in. Maybe take him off the ball like Brett Brown did, but also have him as a secondary ball handler. Okay. Um, he's very talented. Uh, he has to deploy the other pieces correctly. So he's going to need some help from the front office in doing that. Okay. Um, he's going to instill some confidence in these guys on this roster. And like I said, there are two guys on the roster currently that have played for Doc, Mike Scott, and Tobias Harris. I mean, like I said, we know how the situation was, was with Tobias Harris prior to him being traded to the Sixers. So hopefully Doc can rekindle that flame for Tobias Harris and get him back to where he was then. Doc Rivers um, has been quoted, and I'm just paraphrasing here. He said that Philly is a gritty town, a sports town that loves their basketball. They love hard work. He said he's determined, he's ready to get at it, and that is definitely what they're going to do as far as him being the leader of this team. They are definitely going to work hard, and they're going to come out and perform every night and be ready to perform every night so initially people are all saying that can he get Joel Embiid to stay in shape yada 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 I think there will be some conversations had in reference to that um, it also is a big thing for Elton Brand I've been hearing so hopefully Doc Rivers being the commanding coach that he is that can help change that attitude with Joel Embiid, where he comes in focused and in shape and become the dominant center that we all know he can be. We've seen the signs, but haven't seen it consistently enough. So hopefully Doc can push him to that consistency that we are looking for. Also, I think that he can help with Ben Simmons. Um, we've all been saying that we would like Ben Simmons to shoot the ball more. And I think, again, Brett Brown kind of, took some confidence away from Ben Simmons. Like I mentioned to you people, he was playing the point guard position for Brett Brown. But this was his first time actually playing point guard. And 
it's really tough for a player who never played the point guard position to begin playing point guard in the NBA, which is arguably the toughest position to learn and play in the NBA. So I think Doc will try to change that or tweak that a little bit where he won't be the primary point guard, but he will be a secondary ball handler within the offense. The other pieces are going to have to come from Elton Brand and the rest of the front office. And again, like I said, with their roster where they are, it's going to be tough. They will definitely or probably more than likely have to make a trade or two. And they will have to find some guys who can be sold on the program and will be and will buy in and take the veterans minimum for now. And, you know, some of the ways you have to sell that is we got five years of doc. Okay. Veterans minimum is what we can give you right now. Come on in. Do what you do. Maybe the next year or two we can extend that, give you some more money, do what we can do. So I think with Doc's reputation, it might work. Like I said, it might work with Kyle O'Quinn. Again, to get a one-year deal if possible. It may work with some other free agents, some of the names that I mentioned on that list. Because of the quality of coaching, the reputation of Doc Rivers. So I think it's a great hire. Like I said, again, I, I keep saying it, and a lot of people have also been saying it. It is a great hire for the Sixers. And we just have to get to the draft and get into the offseason and see uh, what plays out and how the Sixers can maneuver that roster and get the pieces that Doc Rivers can have to work with to make the Sixers truly be contenders. I am anxious to hear his press conference today to see what he has to say, see what kinds of questions are asked of him and how his thought process on what he will do or what he needs to do to get this team to contend once again. I also would like to hear, if possible, some thoughts on his coaching staff, who he might think about bringing in. Like we mentioned, Alvin Gentry, um, a good offensive mind who can help with the offense. You're going to need some defense, and, and you're going to need, as far as personnel, aside from the coaching staff, you're going to need to get some shooters in here. And I think this is going to be the time where Elton Brand is going to have a lot of say. And like we like to say, he's going to have to put his foot down and have some input from Doc and present that to Josh Harris and the other owners and let them know that, please, let these basketball guys do what they do and get this roster done. I understand that there's a big loyalty issue, or not an issue, but there's a big loyalty factor within the organization but now you have a proven guy and don't get me wrong it's no disrespect to Brett Brown again I just feel like Brett Brown being let go was the time it was the time like I said like I always do this when we talk about Brett Brown and I mentioned I always bring back the scenario of Andy Reid when he left the Eagles the marriage had run its course it's just time uh he I give him kudos as well as far as Brett Brown 
because of what he endured, what he inherited and what he endured and where he got them to before he was let go. So hopefully Doc can push this thing a little bit further, keep it moving and have us contend. But again, it's going to be some work that's going to have to be done in the offseason to tweak this roster, to get some people in here that you can count on. Um, again, he's going to have to work with and be, make sure he's in shape. He has to find the right place for Ben Simmons as well. Again, hopefully he can get Tobias Harris back to where he was when he was initially traded to the Sixers playing under him. And they have to get some wing players. They have to get some point guards who understand and know how to play against the pick and roll. It's imperative that that is very high on the list as well because that's what kills us or what killed us the last two years uh, of under Brett Brown. I think the grittiness of Doc Rivers as far as his career and his um, style of coaching will help the defense. And I think Joel Embiid is definitely going to get into a better place. Yeah, I said it. I think he's going to get into a better place where in the meaning I think he's going to come in shape. He's going to want to learn from Doc. And again, Doc is going to hold him accountable. Ben Simmons has to do a little bit more. And I understand there may be a change for him, but I think Doc will be able to find, if Elton Brand can get the right pieces around them, Doc will find a way to get the best out of Ben Simmons. And I think we'll see a change there as far as his offensive game moving forward. So, folks, I'm going to end here today. And, unfortunately, I'm ending a little early, so Baldy didn't get a chance to call in today. But he's definitely tuned in, I'm sure. And I'm ending today early because I want to get to catch some of that press conference so I have some notes to take and bring back to you about that press conference if you miss it, as I always do. And I'm just, like I said, I'm just anxious to see and hear what the plan is, if there's a plan already, and what things are on his mind moving forward. Thank you for tuning in once again, as you always do each and every Monday, 11 a.m., usually 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. here on Heat 100 Radio. Again, you can find me at SportsRap underscore D on Instagram, on Facebook, in the group page, SportsRap Radio Show. You can get the website, sportsrapradio.com you can go to sports sports rap tv on youtube and the podcast iHeartRadio, google podcast apple podcast spreaker anchor wherever you get your podcast just search the sports rap podcast and you can get anything you missed you have any questions this video will get posted so you can leave comments there i will check it later and throughout the week and see if anybody has any comments anything to add if you don't, just send me a message, and I'll try to answer questions. I'll try to reply to as many comments as I can. Thank you for tuning in today. A little cloudy today, some showers going on, so stay dry, stay safe. Remember, we are still in a pandemic, so keep your social distance, wear your mask again. Stay safe, and thank you all for tuning in. It's your boy D. I'll see you next week live in studio all week on social media. Thank you for tuning in. Hope you have a great afternoon. See you next week.